The hosts of the Real Life Wellness Podcast are not licensed medical doctors, and this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or any form of professional therapy, nor is it intended to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure any illness or condition. All content and information in this podcast is created for informational purposes only. Please seek medical attention for matters relating to your health and never disregard the advice of a medical professional or delay in seeking it because of something you've heard on this podcast. Welcome to the Real Life Wellness Podcast with Mary Preston and Kisa Morrow, where we talk about different ways to integrate healthier habits into your life. Welcome back, friends. I'm Kisa Amaro, certified health coach, and I work with ambitious moms to help them get control of their food cravings so that they can maintain a healthy weight without deprivation or complicated meal plans. And I'm Mary Preston, and I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a life coach, and I work with mental health professionals who are experiencing burnout. And a couple of announcements, uh, just letting you know that my six-week program is being revamped. Um, I'm working with a tech team to improve the program so it's easily accessed online at any time. And if anyone anyone wants to access the program as is, they certainly can, but the new and improved program will be ready to go in about two months. Awesome. And the course focuses on the key aspects of burnout and gives you action steps to take each week to get yourself feeling passionate and energetic about your work again. Um, Whenever I ask anyone about burnout, they tell me that they like took a vacation or a retreat. (laughs) And those are fabulous ideas. Um, But I want to be able to teach everybody that there are steps that you can take right now without going to the Bermudas. Mm -hmm. So if you have questions about this course, any of our programs, the podcast, or anything about health and wellness, come join us in the Real Life Wellness Podcast with Mary and Kisa Facebook group. Um, Mary, I have to say that when I was experiencing burnout, which I really didn't know, I was just like overly exhausted by my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went on a trip and it was amazing. Yeah. Wonderful. However, it only lasts for so long. Right. And I really feel that if I had, you know, the strategies that you teach in your program that I don't know, my life may be different. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah, it's lovely. Like vacations are lovely. Um, yeah, they're wonderful. The problem is your your job is the same job that you come back yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, it's like it okay, I feel good in your absence. <laughs> yeah, you feel good in like for a week after, and then you're like, yeah. oh wait, <laughs> yeah. everything starts coming back again. <laughs> so yeah, having like daily habits and strategies that you can use, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, you can start feeling good right now. Yes. And guys, I'm so excited to announce my Transform Your Cravings online program where I will take you beyond the nutrition to help you get control of your cravings and develop a healthy relationship with food and yourself. So in this program, I address a key component that's missing in most weight loss and diet programs, and that is your emotional relationship to food. By diving deep into the topic, You will learn what the root cause of your cravings are, develop tools to reduce them, and arm yourself with strategies to help you allow cravings when they come calling. So if you would like more information or want to get on the wait list for my next session, just email me at kisa.amaro at gmail.com and we will get you set up. Yeah, get signed up. (laughs) Okay, guys, on to the topic of the day, which is don't eat your feelings. Yeah, yeah. In this episode, we'll be covering why we eat our feelings, harm versus good when it comes to eating our feelings, and 
ways to help you reduce or even eliminate emotional eating. Perfect. So Mary and I like to look at non-conventional ways of addressing holidays or special times of the year. For instance, instead of focusing on what to eat or what not to eat during the holidays, we shared self-care and stress management techniques for the holidays. For New Year's, we didn't talk about what diet to be on for your New Year's resolution or even goals, but we addressed villainizing food which is highly common when dieting and especially during New Year's resolution diets. And we decided to do the same thing for Valentine's Day. It's February. Valentine's Day is coming up. It's right around the corner. And instead of talking about relationships or cravings or how to avoid all the chocolate during Valentine's Day, we chose our topic to be don't eat your feelings. We found this appropriate for Valentine's Day because it combines relationships, presents, expectations, and chocolate. Oh my. Perfect. All the, all the things. All so I, I feel that by addressing you know, this topic we're going to be talking about today, it kind of addresses all the things. Um, <laughs> so Mary and I have a lot of experience with emotional eating and eating our feelings. And we want to share with you some strategies and tools that we have used over the years to help us reduce emotional eating. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's dive in, guys. Um, I want to say before we get started that in this podcast, I use feelings and emotions interchangeably. They're the same thing in this podcast. Um, So what do we mean by don't eat your feelings? If you are an avid listener of the podcast, you have heard us mention two types of hunger, physical hunger and emotional hunger. So check out episode 12 for more on that topic. But today we are going to be focusing on emotional hunger and emotional eating. You know, when you have crazy cravings that just won't go away, you want a Snickers bar on top of a bowl of vanilla bean ice cream with almonds sprinkled on top and nothing else will do. That's it. Nothing else. Right. That's all. (laughs) If you don't have the almonds, I mean, it's just not good enough, right? Nope. Won't, won't fix it. Nope. Uh, so when, when the thought of this food becomes obsessive and you just can't get your, your mind off of it, you feel no signs of physical hunger, but your brain wants to eat anyways. This is emotional hunger. Essentially, you're not physically hungry, but you want a very specific food and you obsess about it until you get it. And this is all normal, especially in our highly stimulating, highly concentrated society that we live in. Emotional eating is so easy to do and it's so hard to stop. Yep. So my friends, why are you craving all the chocolate in the box of chocolates? Essentially, you are avoiding some emotion or feeling, usually a negative one. And you're using the food to avoid the feeling, to avoid feeling the uncomfortableness of the feeling. Truth. Truth. We don't like that uncomfortable. (laughs) No, we don't like to be uncomfortable. And that's totally normal. Um, So a feeling is just a vibration in your body. And negative emotions tend to not feel very good and are uncomfortable. So think loneliness, sadness, depression, anxiety, frustration are not fun to feel. And it is so easy to just reach for a tasty treat that lights up the pleasure sensors 
in your brain to make you feel good for the moment and to let you forget about what's really going on in your life for a while. It's an escape, a way to numb out or zone out. And I've done plenty of this in my life. Yep. We all have. Yeah. So most of us were never taught how to deal with our negative emotions. In fact, often we are taught to ignore them or taught that we're not supposed to have negative emotions. When we were young, we may have heard things like, boys don't cry, it's not worth crying over, stop crying already, or we were told, don't be sad or get over it already. Even though we had well-intentioned caregivers or teachers, when we hear these sayings or these words, we don't learn to process our negative emotion and sometimes even our positive emotions in a healthy way. Then as we get older, we avoid our feelings by buffering. So that's, you know, seeking pleasure to avoid the negative feeling, which having a negative, you know, therefore you have a negative consequence. So cue eating all the food, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) When we eat our feelings, we numb out on food and we end up overeating. And it's usually foods that are full of sugar and uh, flour and this becomes extra weight on our body. And besides the extra weight on our body, we're left feeling guilt and shame on top of the negative emotion that didn't go away in the first place from eating. And this seeps into our personal lives and even our jobs. We aren't present with our family members because we're feeling tired, sick, guilty, or shameful. We are too full, bloated, too tired to go to the gym for a walk or to yoga. So we end up being more sedentary than usual, or we make up for it the following day by spending more time in the gym, running further to make up for the extra calories. And this is creating a negative relationship or view on working out and exercising. We view exercise as something we need to do to lose weight versus something we get or want to do to stay healthy, to really stress, and to socialize. Yeah. When we look at the consequences of emotional eating, we can see that it does more harm than good. I know what you're saying. (laughs) But Kisa, yeah, I've tried so many times <laughs> to stop acting on my cravings, but nothing works. And I hear this all the time from my clients. They go for walks, they take bubble baths, or they keep food out of the house, but their willpower depletes, and eventually they give in to their craving. So what gives? How do we not eat our feelings? So I have three strategies that I'm going to share with you in this podcast and that I teach my clients in dealing with cravings and emotional eating. Yes. Talks through it, Kisa. (laughs) The first and probably most difficult is to allow your feelings. So there are three things that you can do when your cravings or urges come calling. So you can avoid them, you can resist, or you can allow them. Uh, when you avoid your craving, you do something else. You go for a walk, um, you get on social media, you call a friend, or any other activity that takes your mind off the craving. And you can avoid your craving or urge for a while, but it always comes back with a vengeance. And this exactly. is usually the, uh, the, the advice given by conventional wisdom. Like, just take your mind yeah. off. Yeah, take your mind off of it. You do something else, right? 
and yeah, you can probably take your mind off of it for a while, but then that feeling and that craving will always be there. Yep. Uh, when you resist your craving, you use willpower to say no. And this will work for a while, especially if you have good willpower. Like I found myself, like I had really good willpower. But what happens when willpower runs out, your cravings come back and they're more powerful, eventually giving into the craving. Yeah. You notice like whenever you get tired and then you're like, eat everything. Right. <laughs> like, the, like, like you can hold out for so long. Yeah. The beginning of the day, you're good. You're ready to go. And then kind of like as the day goes on, like maybe like afternoon, you can, you can resist that afternoon craving. But then mm -hmm. like at the end of the day, you're just exhausted, mentally exhausted, physically exhausted. And that's when the cookies come out. Yep. And that's usually, excuse my language, when everybody's like, fuck it, I earned it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I've earned it. That's a great one. Um, so the third way to deal with your cravings or urges and the way we suggest is to allow your cravings without acting on them and allow your feelings. So a craving, a feeling. So what that means is that you sit with a craving or emotion and allow it to be there in your body. You invite it in to be with you, allow it to be there and let it pass. You feel the vibration because a feeling is just a vibration in your body. So you feel the vibration in your body, and by doing this, you allow the craving to pass without giving into it, avoiding it, or resisting it. When you allow the craving to pass, it's gone. Mm -hmm. um, you're left with a positive consequence, which is not overeating, no bloating, no fatigue, no digestive issues, and no extra weight. Um, so I like to compare cravings to a tantruming toddler in a toy store who is not getting what she wants. You can give into her, her tantrum and give her the toy. However, this will lead to her, um, lead her to learn that in order to get what she wants, she needs to throw a fit. So every time you go into the store, you know, if she sees something she wants and you say no, she's going to tantrum. Yeah, and it. then they get stronger and stronger. Yeah. Yeah. You reinforce those tantrums. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So you can distract her with some food or a song or game, but this is just a temporary solution. She won't learn that the tantrum won't get her what she wants. Um, you can also avoid the tantrum from happening in the first place by never taking her into the toy store again, but then she'll never learn how to be around something she wants and not getting it. Mm -hmm. And this is a life skill, guys. This is something we need to learn to like be around things we really want and not have them. Yeah. Just not have it. It's, yeah. It's difficult. It is, <laughs> but it's an awesome skill to have. So, but what happens if you just let her cry and throw her fit, no matter how embarrassing it may be to you or no matter how painful it may be for you to watch, she then learns that the tantrum doesn't work. Screaming and crying to get something she wants won't work. She will learn that there are times that you can't get what you want, that you can want something and not act on it. And this is true for cravings as well. Your cravings are like the screaming toddler. When you allow the craving to tantrum without acting on it, you decondition the craving. And over time, your body will not crave the food as much or as often, or maybe not at all, which would be awesome, right? Um. So practicing allowing your feelings will help you to not 
eat your feelings. I love that image. Instead of uh, eating. Yeah. I love that image. I love that image of the toddler. You know, you just, it's okay. Especially when it's something that you don't need, you know, because there is a difference between like, I need to eat lunch and physically hungry. We're talking about emotional hunger when it's just right. I want to eat all of it. And truthfully, I know that I don't need it. And so it's like, okay, how do I handle that? Mm -hmm. Um, And really, it's easy to believe that just because you're having a negative emotion that something has gone wrong. (laughs) But the truth is like toddlers have tantrums and that's just the way it goes, right? There's nothing wrong with the toddler. They're giving it a good effort. They're asking for what they want in the best way they know how, and they just need to learn. Yeah. Um, toddlers have tantrums and learn from the experience and humans have feelings, all kinds of them. Um, and I've been kind of dwelling on this quote for the last couple of days. Um, discomfort is the currency to your dreams. And, you know, I think about all of the things I've missed out on because I ate my feelings instead of allowing the experience to happen. Like having the serious talk with my husband or speaking up for myself at work, figuring out why I was drinking so much, asking for a raise. Um, When we're afraid of feelings, when we're afraid of that tantruming toddler, we buffer them away instead of sticking around to see what will happen. Um, So you know that old saying, what would you do if you weren't afraid? I've started to think... Um, you know, what am I willing to do? What's worth doing, even if I am afraid, even if I have that negative emotion? And what feelings am I willing to experience in order to have a meaningful life? You know, shame, embarrassment, fear, disappointment. Yes to all of these emotions in the name of living um, an awesome life instead of buffering it away, instead of eating those emotions. So yes to the tantruming child. (laughs) Tantrum away, guys. Tantrum away. It's fine. (laughs) Nothing has gone wrong. No, it's totally normal. Okay, guys, let's talk about some other ways to help you put an end to emotional eating. Another strategy is to become aware of your thoughts around food. You see, our thoughts, which we choose to believe, create feelings in our body. And these feelings can be negative. And what do we do when we feel a negative feeling and don't want to feel it? We eat all the food especially highly concentrated forms of sugar and flour that give us a concentrated hit of dopamine, which is a feel-good neurotransmitter in the brain. That's why we reach for sugary processed foods when we are eating emotionally. Oftentimes when we are on a diet, we say we feel deprived. And this feeling of deprivation leads us to overeating on some off-diet food, usually full of sugar and flour. This feeling of deprivation doesn't come from the fact that you are not consuming a certain food, but rather it comes from your thoughts. (laughs) Your body only requires protein, fat, and carbs to survive. So think meat or beans, veggies, and fat. That's it. We technically don't need added sugar. And as long as you're eating enough nutrient-dense calories your body requires for fuel, you technically are not depriving your body of anything. (laughs) So why do we feel so deprived? So let's take a look at our thoughts. What do you think when you start a diet that requires you to emit a certain food like sugar? Maybe something like, I want sugar. I'm not (laughs) going to be so deprived. I want it. I want it. (laughs) But you know, that's like, we really do. You know, like when you sit down and it's like, oh, I want it. Mm -hmm. I want that might not be the sugar, it might be the cookie, you know? 
um, which has sugar in it. So I'm, you know, I'm going to be so deprived. It's not fair. I'm going to die. This is going to be possible. <laughs> and, you know, how do these thoughts that you are choosing to think make you feel? And, you know, you guessed it, deprived, put upon, mad, frustrated, and the like. And when you feel deprived, you don't want to feel that because it's a negative feeling that doesn't feel good in the body. So you eventually eat all the food plus some. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, I, what I would like to suggest is to choose other thoughts on purpose that don't produce a negative emotion or feeling of deprivation. Uh, you know, what if you were to think, I choose nutrient-dense foods that nourish my body, I eat to fuel my body, I eat foods that feel good in my body and that give me a positive result, I choose to eat foods that nourish my body, I am nourished. When you think these thoughts, how do you feel? Most likely, it is something like nourished, healthy, in control, confident, proud. When you feel this way, what do you do? make healthy decisions uh, around eating. You nourish your body with nutrient-dense foods and you fuel your body for your daily needs. These thoughts will not cause emotional eating. So we suggest you take a look at thoughts you are thinking now around your diet. You know, do they serve you? If not, create new thoughts that will give you the result that you want and think them on purpose. And some some easy hints or clues about the way you're thinking about foods. If you're using the words have to, can't, shouldn't, those are, those are clues that there's some work that you can do. <clears throat> and you can usually replace those with like, I choose to and I can. And mm-hmm. I recommend totally dropping the shoulds from your vocabulary if you find mm-hmm. yourself using them. Should and shouldn't. Let's get rid of those. Kick them out. Kick them. Kick them to the curb. <laughs> okay, guys. The last tip I am going to share with you is to take a look at your expectations. Your expectations from your partner, from your children, from your job, and from your life in general. Mm-hmm. So let's take a look at your expectations with your partner. Do you expect them to do certain things around the house, to treat you in a certain way, to say, I love you on a regular basis, take out the trash, clean up after themselves, put the children to bed? Yeah. What? <laughs> all, the, all the things. All the things. I want them to do all the things. Yep. <laughs> so what happens when all of these expectations you have for your partner are not met? When they don't take out the trash? When they don't say, I love you as often as you would like. When they leave their stuff all over the house, especially right after you've cleaned. And when they don't put the children to bed. How do you feel when they don't meet those expectations? Most likely it's disappointed, frustrated, mad, enraged, or something similar. And what does this lead to? You guessed it, eating all the food. So imagine with me for a second, just hypothetically, what if we didn't expect anything from our partner? Mm -hmm. What if we let go of all of the expectations that we believe they should be doing? And what if our only job was to love them? Sounds crazy, right? So for the rest of you that are still listening, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) 
<laughs> you've hung on long enough. No, you know, guys, like I will tell you that when I let go of all expectations of my husband and I just loved him, yep. amazing things started to happen. I l- no longer got upset or frustrated when the dishes weren't done. I didn't care if I had to take out the garbage because it was full. All I had was unconditional love for him. And feeling love is so much better than feeling frustration and anger towards him. I started doing things without the expectation of him doing things to even out the score. And oddly enough, he started doing things without me having to ask or feel like I was nagging. It was pretty amazing. And I do want to mention, because I know sometimes, you know, we've talked about this before. It sounds like, okay, so what do I just, I just cook and clean and do everything (laughs) for him. And it's like, well, you just do what you want, but you don't have to expect it to come from him. Yeah. You just do what you want and just, you just get to love on the other person. It's kind Mm -hmm. of wonderful. It is. And I feel like it's so much easier to cook for somebody when you love them versus when you're annoyed and frustrated and angry. Yeah, at them. definitely. It's so much easier. Think of like your kid, like, you know, my daughter, I have unconditional love for her, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I never, I never care. I never mind cooking for her or making her food. She wants a snack. Sure. Of course I'll get you a snack. <laughs> yeah. um, we also talk about our, um, sorry, in my relationship, we also talk about our expectations ahead of time. So for instance, during Christmas, we always discuss whether or not we're going to get each other a Christmas present. Mm-hmm. That way, so important. We're, yeah, we're not disappointed when one of us gets the other a present and, and the other doesn't. So talking about our expectations with our partner ahead of time can help clear confusion or the unknown. And you guys can like be on the same page. And for Valentine's Day, you know, I don't expect him to get me anything. It's kind of like we don't really think of Valentine's Day as like a big holiday. Like that's not, it's not really important to us, I guess. But that's just between us, you know. Um, You know, so I don't expect him to get me anything. And if he happens to get me something, you know, it's just a surprise for me and pretty cool, right? Yep. So I go in with the idea that I am going to love him and show him my love in my own way. And that could be by making him a card, buying him a card, or getting him a present. With that, I don't expect the same in return. And listen, if you want a necklace for Valentine's Day, you should just say it. <laughs> yeah, just ask. Like, hey, I want a, I want a necklace yeah. for Valentine's Day. I think sometimes we're very, we, we like, we <laughs> want the other person to make some kind of a miraculous guess. Yeah, we want them to read our mind. Yeah, you know, I've been married for a long time. <laughs> And he knows me really well. He's not one of those husbands who doesn't know me at all. And he still doesn't really guess correctly if I just leave it up to him. So if there's something I want, I just ask for it. It's really wonderful. I got to say, it's just just a recommendation. Yeah. Um, You know, and it it might sound a little out there to some of you. You know, it might sound like giving in a little bit. Um, But that's because we're holding on to the resentment like they should be doing these things. But I have to tell you, the ability to just choose love no matter what has been life-changing for me because I do get to choose how I want to feel and I get to choose if I want to feel resentment or if I just want to feel love. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I get to be responsible for my own emotions, which is really nice. So much easier for me to do it than for my husband to do it. Um, And it's funny, you know, I've 
sometimes in um in a therapy practice you get like a whole bunch of people who come through with very similar issues like mm-hmm. just over and over and recently there's been a lot of moms with teens um okay. and when we talk about expectations right like teens have a lot of expectations about like going to school and doing the school work and you know not drinking not doing drugs all of these expectations that we have of them and one of the most freeing things that these moms are able to do is just love their kids no matter what yeah like no matter what grade comes home no matter what the behavior is you know they can still set boundaries they set rules they set consequences and then mm-hmm. they can just focus on loving their kids without condition or expectation and they can let their child choose the consequence and learn from it that's the beautiful thing right like you can let you can let your child choose to not get the grades and then learn from that you know the mm-hmm. hard way and then they can let their child experience negative emotion and they can love them through it and those kids get to learn how to deal with negative emotions the way that we never did which is kind of beautiful yeah that's awesome mary yeah so guys when we get sorry when we let go of expectations from our partners and from life in general we tend to feel positive feelings instead of negative ones and when we feel positive feelings we are less likely to eat emotionally so to recap we eat our feelings because we are avoiding a negative feeling we eat sugar and processed foods because they give us a concentrated hit of dopa- dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter in the brain, and thus lets us escape our negative feeling for a short while. However, the negative feeling will return and you will repeat the cycle of eating to buffer or avoid the feeling. Yep. So a few ways to help you... Um, with emotional eating or eating your feelings are to allow your feelings instead of avoiding or resisting them, to examine your thoughts around food or anything in your life, really. If they're creating a negative feeling, see how you can look at food or situation in another way and create thoughts that give you a neutral or positive feeling. And then the third is to look at your expectations of life, of your partner, of your children. What happens when they do not meet these expectations? You know, reevaluate your expectations from others and the world to reduce your negative feelings. So awesome. Thank you, Kisa. You're welcome. Kisa, you got five tips for us for yes. emotional eating. Yeah, we have... Um, We've got five tips for you, of course. Uh, Number one is to practice allowing emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a five-minute crave fix that I use and I share with my clients. I will put it in the show notes. It is a tool to help you allow your cravings or feelings. Uh, Simply put, take three deep breaths and bring yourself to the present moment. Then identify the feeling you are feeling or trying to avoid. (laughs) I like to ask, um, you know, what would I be feeling if I didn't eat this ice cream? Uh, this helps me identify what emotion I'm feeling. So if I didn't have this ice cream, I'd be feeling irritation or I'd be feeling anger. I'd be feeling lonely. Um, lastly, allow the feeling to flow through your body. Feel where it comes up for you. Do you feel it in, uh, you know, a tingling in your legs, a tightness in your chest, a burning sensation in your abdomen, and then breathe with it and allow it to pass. 
And our second tip is to become aware of your thoughts. So, you know, just take a piece of paper and write down all of your thoughts about food, especially your craving foods and foods you love to overeat. What comes up for you? Write it all down and fill the page. Then go ahead and take a look at your thoughts from a place of curiosity and see how they create desire for food. I like to pretend that I am reading a client's thoughts. You know, how would I react? to a client. I would be kind and understanding and gentle with them. And then our third tip is to think thoughts on purpose that give you the result you want. So once you've become aware of your current thoughts around your food, your craving foods, grab a new piece of paper and write down thoughts that create a positive action around food. And then go ahead and fill the page. Say these thoughts on purpose daily. You can choose maybe three or five, or if you want to read all of them, do that. Um, And say them on a daily basis. And this will help you develop positive thoughts around food, reducing your inclination to eat when you're feeling a negative feeling. Love that. And our fourth tip for you is to examine your expectations. So take a look at your expectations of your life, your family, your work, and yourself. What happens when your expectations are not met? How does it feel? Now, just imagine not having any expectations from them or from anyone. Your only job is to love your spouse or partner, love your kids, do the best at your job, and love yourself. How does that feel? Does it change your expectations you have of others or of yourself even? Mm -hmm. And our last tip, tip number five, is to be compassionate towards yourself. Always. Always. I often have this as a tip, and that's because it is so important and so relevant in physical health, mental health, and emotional health. It is so important to be compassionate towards yourself when making changes you know, learning a new skill or losing weight. If you find yourself eating your feelings, be compassionate towards yourself and come from a place of curiosity to find out why you ate your feelings and what you can try different next time you're in the same situation. Yeah. And anybody listening who, uh, who is listening right before Valentine's Day or around Valentine's Day, just a reminder to, to take up that job of loving yourself. Instead yeah. of waiting for other people to, to do oh. that for you. Yeah. Compassionate towards yourself. Love yourself this Valentine's Day. You know, give yourself chocolates if that's what you want. You know, mm-hmm. take yourself out on a, you know, on a date. But make sure you love yourself. Yeah. On that note, alrighty, friends. That's all we've got for you today. Thanks for being awesome as always and listening in. uh, tune into our next episode where we talk about fat and our perception of it as being the enemy. If you'd like to know more about us, if you have any questions or comments, head on over to our dedicated Facebook group, or you can contact me, Mary, at my website at maryelisepreston.com or Kisa at her website at kisaamaro.com. And that's K-E-Y-S-A-A-M-A-R-O.com. And I almost misspelled that for you. (laughs) <laughs> would have been awesome <laughs> I think I would have been like hey <laughs> it's not how you spell my name um, 
Yeah. And if you know someone who you think would benefit from the information shared on our podcast, please share this episode with them. We want to extend our message to and support as many people as possible. And we need your help to get our message out. We would greatly appreciate your help in reaching out to people who could benefit from our podcast. And if you enjoy the show, we would love it if you would leave us an honest review on iTunes. Simply go to iTunes and search for the podcast page, hit the tab for ratings and reviews, and click on write a review. That's it. Super helpful. All right, friends, we love you. We'll see you next time. See you next time. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 